Recently, there was a questionnaire sent out to a group of pastors, many different pastors from different churches, different denominations. And the question that was asked was, what is the main sorrow of your ministry? Interesting question to ask a pastor. And they got all the the, the questions back, and they kind of sent a list out to different pastors, saying these are the top ten answers to the question, what is the great sorrow of your ministry? And this interesting, number four said this. And this was just last week. One of the greatest sorrows of a minister is this. Members who, whose priorities are their own comfort and preference. Members whose priorities are their own comfort and preference. One pastor said, they like their comfort, but not their commitment. Members don't seem passionate about the things of the Lord. They get more excited about other things instead of godly things. If I had to summarize it, one of my sorrows would be this. It wouldn't be you. My first sorrows would be my own heart my own lack of commitment at times. But it's this. When people think that there is more joy and satisfaction in earthly things than godly things. Why would, why would pastors say such a thing? Because they want more people at their church? They want more money? They want more tally marks? No, because it's this. We know that this is Satisfaction. And most pastors have a heart of compassion. And when they see someone entertaining and other things that don't truly satisfy, what a great sorrow, right? I want to read from one of the greatest classic Christian books that everyone should sometime in their life read. St. Augustine Confessions. If you don't have this, you can go to a Goodwill before I go, because I'll buy it if I see it and hand it away. These are all over the place. And you probably even have it in your library somewhere. Read this. There's a couple books in here, and he begins to write, and he talks about the sorrow that he had in life. I'll I'll just read just a couple parts here. I probe the hidden depths of my soul and wrung its pitiful secrets from it. And when I mustered them all before my eyes and my heart... A great storm broke within me, bringing with it a great deluge of tears, sin, agony. And he writes so much about the pain and misery that he thought was good things. He lived with his mistress and thought it was great, and then he realized how empty it was. Must we waste our time, all the record of my sins? For I felt that I was still the captive of my sins, And in like misery, I kept crying, how long shall I keep saying, tomorrow, tomorrow? Why not now? Why not make an end of my ugly sins at this moment? Have you ever gotten to the point where you just get tired of life? And you just go, oh, I'm just, I'm done. I was asking myself these questions, weeping all while with the most bitter sorrow of my heart, when all at once I heard the singing voice of a child in a nearby house. 
And the voice of a boy or girl, I cannot say, said, Take it and read it. So he picks up the word of God and reads it. A few pages later, love this. He, he says, Take the yoke, my burden on my shoulders, Jesus Christ, my helper, my redeemer. How sweet all at once it was for me to rid of those fruitless joys which I once feared to lose and now was glad to reject. All these things he thought brought him joy. He was afraid to lose. Now he's so glad to get rid of. This, is, this sentence is profound. It just nailed me this week. Listen to how he describes the Lord. Again, it says, which I once feared to lose and now glad to reject. You drove them from me. You who are true, the, here's his title, the sovereign joy. The Lord is his sovereign joy. You drove them from me. You took their place. You who are sweeter than all pleasure, though you are not flesh and blood. You who outshine all light. All honor throughout, though you have no eyes of men. See, honor goes on. He says this. At last my mind was free from the gnawing anxieties of ambition and gain. From the wallowing in the filth and the scratching, the itching sore of lust. I began to talk to you freely. O Lord my God, my light my wealth, my salvation, or, as he said before, my sovereign joy. If you deal with anxiety, if you struggle, if you feel like there's so many great pleasures out there, God is the sovereign joy. And this today, I feel, here's my analogy, I feel like a kid who just learned CPR and now we have to do surgery. But guess what? The great surgeon is here today. And I was just going to do this. We're going to look at one word and we're just going to carry on and go through John 15. But we're going to take two weeks. Because what we're dealing with, I believe, is so liberating, so beautiful, and so profound for me. If it's not for you, just listen. It's as this. A couple days ago, a few of us went up to we went up to Squim and came up the Dungeness and went down this valley called the, the Tubalcane Mine. There was 30 different mines there. Back in the early, early 1900s, they found copper. So they were like, all right, let's get up there. So a bunch of people in Seattle got all this money. They sent all this money. Horses didn't work, so they got a bunch of mules and donkeys, and they brought all this gear up there, 300-pound wheels to just get all this stuff. They thought they would strike it rich. Did some research, they didn't make a dime. They didn't make a penny. They found enough copper just to pay for all their stuff. We checked out some of the mines, just empty. A big snowstorm hit, and just an avalanche came. Just they said, forget it, it's done. They just left everything there. That's the joys of the world, I believe. They think they find something, and there is truth, and there's nothing. Today, we are going to look at the gold mine in the Alps. It's almost as though we can get buckets and never have enough room to fill the wealth that we're going to find today as we look at joy. Because it's liberating and 
beautiful and it's profound and I'm nervous because it's changing me in great ways that I had never thought I would experience I never knew there was gold like this so let's pray Lord I know that you are great I know that you are mighty and awesome and powerful and I ask that you move in our simple, frail hearts. Many of us could write confessions like this book and pen out, maybe not with elegant words like this, the struggles that we have. Lord, today be our sovereign joy. Liberate us. May we see the beauty of who you are in Jesus. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, just put your hand up. we got a couple Bibles in the back there. John chapter 15. We have been stepping away. We just finished Exodus and the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. We're taking a little break and we're jumping into what does it look like to be a Christian? What describes a Christian? John chapter 15. And we've been looking at some of the words that Jesus says, in which he says these are the attributes, these are the qualities of one who is a disciple. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. Starting with verse 4, John 15. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11. I have told you, this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete my command is this love each other as i have loved you we've looked at a couple words remain abide dwell stay remain remain it shows up i think 11 times just in this section remain 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 if you don't remain, you can't bear fruit. You can't have joy. You can't have love. You can't obey all these other things. How do you remain? Obey my words, Jesus says. In fact, five times in chapters 14 and 15, the word obey shows up. Obey. Let's look at John 8, 31. John 8, 31. To the Jews 
who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People always say that last part, but they don't really say the first part. Obey my teaching, Jesus says. Obey what I've been teaching you. Obedience. Or Colossians. Turn to Colossians 3.16. I encourage you, if you ever are bored, my children say that often, I'm bored. Just go through the Bible and look at every 3.16. Start with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, It's cool how all the 3.16s are great. In fact, every verse of the Bible. That's my way of getting you to read the Bible a little bit more. Try the 3.17s. They're all great. Try the 3.18s. They're all great. 3.16, Colossians 3.16. This is just great. I'll, I'll even do 15 here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since... As members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell, remain, same word here, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of gratitude in your heart to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Don't let it just be in your brain and that's it. Let it dwell, let it soak in you. That is our spiritual food. Study and practice. Get in the Word. I push that so much sometimes I wonder, should I stop? Are you guys like, we hear you, we hear you. Yes, read, read, read. Do it. Keep your fingers busy in the Word. When you're walking, talk about it. Some of us were hiking, and we were talking. They were, they were playing this fun game. I said, all right, let's do the alphabet game with Bible verses. Let's start with the letter A, and we'll think of a Bible verse that has the letter A. Oh, okay. Then because there were a bunch of Midwesterners. When we got to D, I said, you can't be the Lord and the disciples, because that's how they speak in the Midwest, especially Michigan. The Lord and the disciples went out and about and about. No, that's not a Bible verse. That doesn't work for D. But when you're walking, just always have the Word in you and let it dwell in you. Remain. Obey. And last week we looked at bear fruit. Simply this. God's character should be yours. And when you're connected, you will bear fruit. But today's word, I thought, oh, we'll just look at it and go on. It has nailed my heart. John 15, verse 11. Let's take a look at this. Wow! I always knew there was something in here. And this week, it just, it, it blossomed. John chapter 15, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus told his disciples that they would have joy. I mean, joy is throughout the the Bible all over the place. Psalm chapter 5, Psalm 16, Psalm 30, Psalm 34. It just talks about those who are with the Lord, they have joy. That, That makes sense to me. I'm like, okay, great, we'll have joy. Or look at John 17, verse 13. I am coming to you now. He's praying to the Father here. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Huh. When I read that this week, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Why 
is he all about joy? Happiness. This is so I read that and I thought, okay, there, we could go on. Let's look at the next word. But there is more. There is more to this. Here's what I wrote down, if you could think of this. The joy they would experience was primarily his joy. Let me say that again. The joy that they would experience is primarily his joy, a joy into which they would enter. So let's take a look at this concept in Scripture. Because at first I would read this and go, okay, we just have joy. We should walk around like bubbly Christians and smile and have Hawaiian t-shirts on and sing songs and it would be happy. Christians are happy. That's what this is about. Thank you, Jesus. I'm happy now. Oh, if that's all you take, you're just eating a crouton a day and you will get hungry. Look at the feast that Scripture gives us. The Sermon on the Mount. We went through that with Dr. Osborne a couple weeks ago. And when he was coming, I, I told everyone, let's read it, read it every day. So, and I was studying it myself, and then just, I was studying it and just looking at the first part. The Beatitudes. Blessed. And I remember going through different translations. Oh, blessed. Blessed. The King James has that, the NIV, the NASB. But some versions have happy. And I was kind of studying that word a little bit. And then, take a look at this. Turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1. And th- when I was looking at this word, I was like, huh, okay, happy, blessed, okay. Uh, we can start with verse 8. I'll skip over some of this here uh, just for time. We know, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is not made for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers, the rebellious and ungodly. He goes on and on and on, for dolls, perverts, all this stuff. Verse 10, verse 11, and for what else? Verse 11. That conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. The blessed God. And I was like, well, the blessed God? The, the, this term here could be the happy God. It sounds kind of weird. He's the happy God. He's the God of joy, the God who possesses this blessedness. He is a joyful God. And I thought about that. It takes me by surprise. Because often, as a young theologian, I come up with all these doctrines. We looked even in Exodus. God is sovereign. He's holy. He's just. He will punish sinners. He's all-knowing. He's love. He's peace. When do we ponder that he is the blessed God? He's the happy God. He's the joyful God. Do we ever think of that? We kind of picture him sometimes as we do, this big old man, and he's got, you know, he's got his chart and his you know, lightning bolts, but he's the joyful God. 
I thought of that. I rarely think of him as the joyful, the blessed, the happy God. Now let's get to it. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. So if you get the Psalms, keep turning back. And if you remember the Bible, chronologically in the Old Testament, there are only 11 books in the Old Testament that follow the chronological line. And it ends with Nehemiah. And there's a famous verse here that I, that I turn to. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And some of you will read this and be like, I've never heard this. Then at the end you go, oh, okay. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Nehemiah 8.10. And send some of those who have nothing prepared. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve for... And here's a famous line. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I remember when I was reading this, I was studying this, okay, John chapter 15, Jesus says, you're going to have joy. And the first thing I thought of is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, that makes sense, okay. And I was pondering on that thing, okay, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What's happening here in Nehemiah? They find the book of the law. People have forgotten the truth. The book of the law was written to remind the children two things. Well, three things. Number one, this is how you maintain relationship with me. These are the do's and don'ts. This is how you maintain relationship with me. I think that's secondary to the number one primary thing of the law is all about. I am your God. I am your Savior. And the third thing, and this is how you come to know me and know about me, who I am. Who my so they find this, and they read it, and they weep all over. Take a look at a couple of the verses beforehand. Look at verse 9. But Nehemiah the governor, Ezra, priests, scribe, Levites were in spanked. This is a sacred day of the Lord. Do not weep or mourn, for the people have been weeping. Listen to the words. So they heard the word of God. They heard the law. And they said, we will obey. We will do it. They say, amen, amen. We will follow it. And then it says, go and enjoy choice foods, sweet drinks. Prepare, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's my summary. Read the Bible. Seek its meaning. Repent. Go out and share over food. Yes, come to my house, we'll have a cookout. Here's, here's what it is. When you forget the beauty of this, and you find it, you see it, you read it. So write this down. Remember this. Read the Bible. Seek its meaning. Don't just read it. Dig deep into it. Seek its meaning. Number three, repent. Get rid of the stuff that's in your heart. Number four, then go out, share over food and drink, 
and that's how you receive joy. What? Do you want to be happy? Dig into this. See what it says. Let it soak into your heart. Read your Bible. Learn. Gather people around you and tell others about it. Repent of your sin and you will learn and grow. And that's what it says right there. That's all it is. Okay? I thought that there's the joy referred to. Here's joy that God gives to you. Yes, but there's more. Take a look at this. Take a look at the last part of this verse. 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not joy in the Lord. Oh, that's totally true. When you're in the Lord, you have joy. When you're walking in Him, you have joy when you're in the Lord. But does it say the word in? It says of. The Lord's joy. The joy of the Lord. He has this joy. And that is what is your strength. His joy is your strength. And that's what struck me this week. I always thought it was, we read the Bible, we get all happy, and we have joy, and that's it. Listen to me. If you are in prison, not physically like Placido, but if you struggle with anxiety, depression, sorrow, weariness, and you've built your own little prison, because a lot of times we build our own guilt prisons, our own shame prisons, and we, we're, we're so great at building our own little cells, right? and we get depressed, and we get all this weariness and worry. What is your strength? That you have joy? No, that's not what it's saying. It says, God's joy is your strength. What? There's more here. I always thought it was, I just got to get happy, and that's going to be my strength. That's not at all what it says. It's the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy in which God is, has is your strength. God gives us joy because, number one, he's joyful. Our God is a joyful God. Remember that. He is the source of our joy. His joy, not our own joy. Not what we can muster up. Just as he is a source of other attributes, holy, righteousness, he's a source of our joy. He is a happy joyful God. And this joy is a description of who He is and what He gives. And when we study Scriptures, we see that much of it speaks to God's delight and His pleasure and His joy. It's interesting, and we're just going to look at one part. Turn to the first book of the Bible. The first chapter of the Bible. Just one quick example. God creates and we see this chapter one thing I think that sometimes we miss is that he is a joyful God it is good when he creates something it is good he takes pleasure in what he does and it is good I mean look at some of the things he created look at, look at the end of verse 10 And God saw that it was good. He takes 
pleasure in these things. And this is what I found this week. This is just amazing. Not only does he create and make things good out of who his goodness is and his joy is, but creation enters into that goodness. This is very important. God is good. He creates. He says, this is good. He is joy. He has this joy, but creation enters into that joy. It's not something that they possess primarily on their own first. They enter into. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Creation even enters into it. Let's quickly, there's a couple in Psalms. Psalm 65, turn. Psalm 65. Psalm 65, verse 8. Psalm 65, verse 8. Those living far away fear your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Even in creation, creation enters into this and creation has joy. Look at um, Psalm 65, verse 13. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. God creates, and it is good. Creation, good, beautiful. There's joy, and creation enters into this joy also. Psalm 96 Psalm 98 says the same thing. That which God makes out of joy enters into his joy. But what's the means to this joy? God is a God of joy, of blessedness, of happiness. How do we get into that? Please remember this. The Holy Spirit, in many ways, is the means by which the joy of the Lord the joy of our Master Jesus is given to the believer. Let me just read these verses. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Romans fourteen seventeen, which is a great chapter. We'll get into this another time. For the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen thirteen, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may be abound in hope and in the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 says this, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. This joy comes to us through the Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit, and that's how we have joy. The joy of the Lord should characterize our service and worship. Again, listen to this phrase. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not the joy in the Lord. Oh, that's totally true. There's joy in the Lord, but the joy of the Lord is is our strength. But what are there 
There's two types of joys in this world. It's not joy of, it's joy in. Or not joy in, but joy of the Lord. There's two types of joy. The world has its own way of seeking joy. Romans 8. You've got to look at it. Romans 8. I know that some of you probably got it memorized by now. Been harping on it for a year and a half. This is how the world finds joy. This is the type of joy the world has. And it's not good. It's not true joy. In fact, I believe, as with love and peace, the world cannot have true joy. Why? Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to this sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Here's some more ways that the world cannot find true joy. Evil men delight in their wicked ways, Isaiah 66, or Isaiah 65. They choose that in which God does not delight in. So the world does not choose pure joy. They choose wicked things. Here's Jeremiah chapter 6. They do not delight in the word of God. They are pleased with thief and the adulteress, Psalm 50, and with wickedness, 2 Thessalonians 2. That's where they think there is joy. But we have the joy of the Lord. When we turn to God, we are in Him. And He is joy. The child of God is very different we have a different source of happiness and joy listen to this psalm 37 psalm 43 his joy is in the lord psalm 1 psalm 112 psalm 19 we have joy from this truth right here psalm 40 we have joy in doing god's will psalm 147 we have joy in praising God. Isaiah 56, he chooses what is pleasing to God. We do what is pleasing to God. We find joy in justice. Proverbs 21. Why? Because he is the source of all joy. And I wrote this down. Think of this. Our delight, our pleasure is in God. And we savor the greatness of God and bring that greatness to others around us. That is joy. So let's go back to John 15. John 15. John 15, verse 11. I'll never forget the first time I was on the phone with my birth mother. First time I heard her voice, I was nervous. I had a piece of paper, had some questions written down. I didn't 
know what to say. Some questions were, my, we both had a question we've been thinking about our whole lives. And it, my one is this. Have you ever heard the song Summer of 69 by Brian Adams? And she said, yes. Because I was born in 69. And I thought, every time she hears that, I wonder if she remembers or thinks about me. She said, well, of course. How could she not? And her question to me, this one will sound funny at first, was, do you like cantaloupe? And I kind of went, cantaloupe? What are you talking about, cantaloupe? And I said, honestly, I can't stand cantaloupe. It's disgusting. She said, she just laughed and laughed. I'm like, why? She said, well, for three months when I had you, all I could eat was cantaloupe. I'm like, great, now I know. So we got our two questions out of the way that we've been kind of waiting, holding in. And then I got to the serious question. What do you ask someone that gave birth to you? And I said this, if there's one thing you would have wished or prayed for me, and she was a praying woman, a Christian woman who prayed for me, what, what was that? And she had an answer like that. I thought she would ponder and say, well, you know, maybe that you'd be part of Bill Gates' little group and you could have a lot of money, or, you know, maybe that you'd be strong and mighty, have a great voice, already got that, you know, and I just, she had an answer so quickly. I was surprised by how quick she responded, but I was more surprised by what she said. She said this, I prayed that you, strong, healthy, find a beautiful wife, check, 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 you know, none of that. This is what she prayed. I pray that you would be happy. I'm like, happy? I want something great and cool. What were you thinking? Happy? Oh, now I get it because I have children. I was just in school studying, worrying about my dad, worrying about my next test, having fun in the summer times, running around. As a parent, happiness? Why? That seems so insignificant. Listen to what Jesus says. I mean, if, if you could take chapters 13, 14, and 15 up to 10, all of this information Jesus has been saying, I mean, look, look, just bear with me here. Look at verse 1 of chapter 13. Great intro to this whole section. Remember, please read every day if you can. Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Read it over and over and again. It's that good. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. 13 verse 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, here it is, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Or as one translation, he loved them to the end. Dada, dada, love, love, all this stuff that he says. Verse 10, 15, take a look. He says all this, and then chapter 15, verse 11 Read these words. I have told you this so that your debts will be paid, so that you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise, so that you will have, a, you know, I've told you this so that 
my joy, remember this is the joy of the Lord, it's not our joy, it's his joy. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This great, joyful, happy God is all about, I have this great joy and I want it to be in you. And I'm going to give you all this so that you are joyful. Wow, what a verse. The Lord is all about us having joy, but for what purpose? And these next two words that we're going to be looking at, joy and glory, they run together so tightly. The joy that they would experience, that we experience in Jesus, is primarily His joy. A joy into which we would enter and then, listen to this, make much of God. When there's the joy of the Lord, His joy, and we enter into that, we experience joy, we have complete joy, and we make much, not of ourselves, but much of God. Let me begin with the question there that the pastors had. Remember I said the question they were asked, and their answer was, members whose priorities are their own comfort and preferences. And my phrase would be, to summarize that, would be, when people think there is more joy and satisfaction in earthly things than in God. That's one of my sorrows. That if you would think that there's more joy in other things than joy in this. There's nothing wrong for a Christian to have pleasure or seek pleasure. Listen to this. There's nothing wrong for you to have pleasure or seek pleasure. It is only wrong to seek pleasure in the wrong place. You can love the things of this world. We live in Washington State. When it's sunny, you better be outside. Open your eyes and just the beauty of it. But listen, creation doesn't speak for itself. Creation speaks of the glory of God. When you're out in the wilderness, if you're going to follow me someday, you just how could you not glorify God? It's not about you and the creation. It speaks of His greatness. As I said before here, the joy that we experience is His joy, and then we enter into that, and then we make much of God. So the things that you enjoy make much of God in that. But if you make much of yourself in that, or you make much of that thing, it's an idol, look out, church. Trouble will come your way. But if in your things that you enjoy, if you have a hobby, great. We have a guy in the church whose email is golfer duel. I don't understand golfing. Won't tell you who it is. (laughs) But somehow... He finds joy in it. I get mad. I can't figure that out. I don't find joy in that. But if you have a hobby as that, I don't understand it. Or if you enjoy wearing Hawaiian shirts, I don't understand that either. In that, if you make, listen to this, if you find satisfaction in that alone, you're missing out. You're just eating a crouton. But if you 
the joy of the Lord, His joy is in you. And if you're golfing, Hawaiian t-shirts, if you're crocheting or knitting or whatever, which ones to, I don't know how they work, in that you can find joy of the Lord by making Him number one. May we not love the things of this world just like everyone else does around us. I get so tired of people who worship creation instead of worshiping the Creator. There's nothing wrong with being excited about hobbies or activities, but when they get in the place of God, when you think there's more joy in fishing, this is, I'm preaching to myself here, Cody, more joy in fishing or outdoors or building something, you miss out. And if you think that if you have to wake up and have to get your coffee to get you through the day, you're just eating a crouton a day. You're missing out on the joy that God gives you. When you turn to Him as He's number one, two, three, and four, then suck up coffee and enjoy it. My greatest struggle would be when you think there's more joy and satisfaction in earthly things than in God. The last verse to look at. Keep your finger in John 15. Turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verse 11. This is a great... This is a great verse. This, this could be the theme of your life. In fact, I encourage you, if you're into running, hiking, camping, movies, coffee, outdoors, family, I'm trying to think of all the different hobbies you're going to have, cars, house, knitting, crocheting, uh, making quilts, whatever it is, you should print this off and stick it on that item, on your bin of goodies, on your hobbies, on your tennis shoes, whatever you have. You, this is Psalm 1611, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand eternal pleasures, eternal joy, eternal life come only from Him. Don't replace that with the fun things you have. And when you see that He is the ultimate end, He is the true end and goal of your life, we're going to get this into the next two weeks, that's where true satisfaction and joy comes. Because when He is glorified, you find the most pleasure and joy and happiness. And Jesus says this to you, listen, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Let us seek joy in God and serving and worshiping Him because why? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And next week, we're going to take a look at how is the joy of the Lord my strength when I'm weary and tired? What does it mean that he gave us this joy so that we could have complete joy? Let's pray.